the world has stopped. All feeling has gone. This doesn't make sense anymore. Hello, welcome to The News Agents, a special seasonal news agents on the virgin birth with me Jude Cowan Montague and me Mirka Katharsen Any of us who have been at primary school seem to get roped into doing a nativity play, a yearly festival experience. I personally was a shepherd when I was at um, my primary school in Crumpsall, Manchester. Mia, were you uh, in a nativity play? I feel like I remember being the narrator, possibly, which is not really a legitimate part. I was the only, <laughs> I was the only brown person in the class, so I don't know if that happened. <laughs> uh, it's Mary, there was the part, the part, the best part, the part every girl wanted to be. I don't remember that being so much of an emphasis on that. I feel like children wanted to be angels and that probably were, were girls, even though the, the angels that made the Annunciation were was a man, man-angel, if angels have genders. Mm. And nobody wanted to be Joseph. He was seen as sort of... <laughs> although he was a carpenter, I suppose. Well, I presume he was a carpenter. That's just quite macho. He was sort of seen as not being really um, a desirable part for a young budding actor in my school. I really, I don't remember anything about the boys' roles, actually. <laughs> Obviously, they are very gendered here, but, um, yeah, no recollection at all. <laughs> we all have our own personal um, memories of nativity plays. If we have been involved in them at school, it's a, a time of when the world is very strange. Stories are very strange. And, and you'll come across this exceedingly strange story of the birth of Jesus. And as a as a girl, I couldn't help but think about Mary's role in it. What, what you know, she she's the mother, she's the central character. But but what a strange story to have somebody appear to her and, and tell her that she's having a baby without her having sex, and then. Not only a baby, but a very special baby who's going to be ruler of the universe and save everybody. <laughs> but yeah, that first thing is, is bad enough in terms of personal shock. Um, just being told you're pregnant. And also I think the fact that she is pregnant and she doesn't have a partner and she's supposedly a virgin must make for some contradictions in her mind about what she should be telling people. Um, I'm not saying she necessarily would have made that decision consciously, but um, obviously that's what people ended up believing. Yes, but, but what a strange thing to believe. You'd think people wouldn't believe that if I told anybody that when I was younger, if I was pregnant, that 
I was a virgin and, and I was giving birth to God or his son, I don't think anybody would have believed me. Annunciation. Mary woke up with a frog in her mouth. Shrieking, she tried to spit it out and discovered it was her own tongue. Revolting. Crawling over to the jug of cool water, she swore that she would never again sneak drink her uncle's wine store. She felt exceedingly grumpy. Lovely cool water. It slipped down. It slipped down nicely. Dizzy, she staggered back to bed. The moon was nudging the rumpled bedclothes, and for a moment she thought she saw a figure sitting there on the bed, squatting like a frog. Uh, she really did feel nauseous. Why did people drink? Gross. Just gross. Stomachache, she belched. Uh, that was better. Getting back into bed was like crawling into a pool of warm, welcoming light. Mmm, <sighs> that's better, that's better. She snuggled inside the living vibrations, wrapping it around her with a warm blanket and fell asleep again with the thought, the strange and not very nice thought, that something was worming and churning inside her. Then followed the strangest dreams. Strangest dreams. Strange. Strange indeed. Only an hour or so later, she woke up with a start. It was still the middle of the night. Mary? Mary? Someone had been saying, whispering in her ear urgently. Mary? Are you awake? Mary? <laughs> oh, she didn't want to wake up. But, but she... What, what, huh? what was the stranger doing in her room? She sat up suddenly, sweating and panting. <laughs> In the doorway, a faint shape was hovering a few inches above the ground. It kept flickering as though it was going in and out of the room like a flame. Like, like a, a fire. As she stared at the shape, it became more solid, as if it was somehow connected to her concentration. Fizzing and puffing. Her jaw dropped slightly as she realised the shape was communicating with her. Looking at me, keep looking at me, so I can keep contact. I need to tell you something. I need to tell you something very important before I go. I can't stay on your planet much longer. What, what, what are you saying? It was coming back to her now. 
how a beautiful young man she'd met him out of nowhere with scented jasmine curls he'd smelt really good and a wicked sense of morality had been at her side last night encouraging her drinking that wine with her they had competed for chief wine slosher down the throat down the neck how, how come the cloud this light cloud sounded like him she focused her eyes crossing with the effort she would focus he if it was a he became a little more solid who are you she asked what what's going on the features of the young man solidified in front of her in the cloud of light as she remembered i'm just the messenger mary something happened to you last night didn't it she groaned. She was about to vomit. She did vomit. She felt a bit better. <sighs> Sweat clunk damply to her skin, but she felt fresher. Uh, but the room did not smell better. She'd have to clear that up quickly before her parents got up. And the figure vanished in the smell of vomit. Just a voice. Mary! The voice was still there. Mary, help me. Think about me. I need to talk to you. It sounded close in her ear. I haven't much energy left. Uh, I'm sorry? She forced herself to ignore the smell of puked up wine and concentrate on the shape. It was probably all still a dream. She hoped so. Then she wouldn't have to clean up the sick. What is it? You're pregnant, said the figure. <laughs> what? Uh, don't be stupid. I, I, I'm not, you know, I've not even done it. And, or did something happen when I was wasted? Shit. No, don't panic. Not in the way you think. God sent me. God did. He sent me to pick someone and I chose you. <laughs> me? Why, why, why me? Uh, what? Oh, you were lots of fun. I liked you. I wanted to pick somebody, you know, I, first of all, I thought I'd pick somebody really, you know, good, but, but you were good and fun. I thought that was even better. You're all right, Mary. <coughs> I thought you seemed nice and you've got a lovely body. Got a lovely body. So God will be happy with you. Oh, for God's sake, she lurched forward. I don't care. I really don't care. Just go away. I'm going, but you know, I have to tell you first. This is great news for you. It's a win-win for both of us. <coughs> he kept coughing. I did my job. My boss is happy you've got a baby, which is what all women want. Nobody got hurt. Uh, what, what do you mean I've got a baby? I mean you're up the duff, knocked up. You've got a special bun in your oven. In your cave there's a little bat fluttering. A little male bat. You're going to be eating for two. I can see a little egg of yours moving right now down the tube. It's all got to be a bit speeded up, you see. I'm, I'm just speeding things up before I go, because I've got to go. Mary placed her hands in front of her stomach. No, no, you can see in my womb. Super gross. 
feel even sicker. Don't look! Don't look! Go look in your own body. Get your look in your own womb. Get your own womb. Get your spooky eyes out of my body. At least this is just a dream, she muttered to herself. Soon this flickering light would go. She could go back to deep sleep. When she woke up, she would never drink again. How do you know it's a boy? Oh, oh don't. <laughs> no, 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 just don't tell me it's always a boy, she said to the dreamlight. Fading, he said. You're really blessed. He's not only a boy, but he's the Messiah. He's come to change the world. Okay. W will he make things better for women? Mary asked as she felt the deep sleep overwhelm her. Oh, will we have a better cut of the cake because of him? Of course, the light said, and disappeared quickly. Good womb. Never been used. In original packaging, with seal intact. Any takers? Suitable for extraterrestrial. Contrary. How does your garden grow? With silver bells, cockle shells, and... Well, there's something growing in there, Mary. Annunciation. Strange story. Strange to think of it happening to you. Somebody arriving, telling you that you're pregnant. It doesn't seem like a real story. It's a legend. It only happens to people in these odd time zones that don't even seem to be related to the history of the world. But you can't help identifying with, with Mary if, well, I couldn't, as a young girl. I made it through the wilderness 
virgin touched for the very first time but you actually you don't even notice so the father is the son and the woman is the womb and why would women even want to have um virgin births why would they be claiming to have virgin births maybe it did happen virgin birth the science a woman cannot produce a son through virgin pregnancy so Mary must have been a man to reproduce a boy. In that she must have had a Y for one chromosome. Maybe secret twins, Mary, with two fused into one. Pythons, black tip sharks, Komodo dragons, all of these have given birth as virgins too. There's many such species. And in the universities, in the genetic lab, healthy fertile mice are being born without a dad. This means even mammals can have a virgin birth. Perhaps it's not implausible for women here on Earth to have sons without having sex, without sperm, without Ys, with chromosomes of only X. There was um, a spate of, of young virgin teenage pregnancies um, in the US. And these virgin births in... Virgin births have, have occurred in lots of different animals, non-human animals, but as Jude's mentioned, that's because they have different uh, structures, structural systems, asexual reproduction. But we're not vipers, we're not boa constrictors, we're not sharks and we're not Komodo dragons. And yet there are some young women um, nearly 8,000 of them over a 14-year period, mostly on the younger end of this, on the scale, um, adolescents to young adults, um, who all claimed 
to have given birth as virgins. Looking into their data a little bit, it seemed like a lot of them were religious and a lot of them had taken a chastity pledge. And a lot of them weren't aware of different birth control methods. So maybe they didn't know where babies came from. Where do they come from? Um, the chromosomes. <laughs> <laughs> but how do the chromosomes mm. get together? I think they didn't really understand the full notion of what it meant to be a virgin, except that it yeah. meant purity and goodness. I think it's a very strange process anyway. I, I don't think, in a way, that it's natural, even though it's really natural, but the, the idea of it, the concept of it, doesn't seem like something that one would naturally know about the concept of of sex of sex to um, make a new human being it's, it's something that needs to be you need taught. to tell people about yeah it's and not in these cases yeah school school um sex and ed education and birth control was very minimal if at all um so 8000 women young women thought that they over a 14 year period in the 90s or so thought that they were virgin Mothers. So Mary's pregnant. Hooray! Isn't that a cause for celebration? Finding out you're pregnant. Having a baby, isn't that the ultimate joy for a woman? If that's what it means. If that's what it means to be a woman. <laughs> Perhaps that is. Perhaps that is the ultimate definition of... A woman, as as a body, as a body that that you have that a womb. Is woman. Yes, what makes a woman? And Mary, she's got to go on a journey, even though she's pregnant. She has to ride to Bethlehem because there's a, a the oppressing empire has rules. That, um, to collect tax for the, for the empire and everybody has to return to the place of their birth to um, to register on the census. And I think it's Joseph who's going back to the place of his birth, Bethlehem. And Joseph, suddenly in the picture, her husband, Mary and Joseph, yeah. So he's not the father of her baby, but he is the husband of, of Mary and looking after her and her baby on this journey. So in some of the stories about them, he's portrayed as rather miffed, rather um, cantankerous and, and a little bit of a grumpy character. Perhaps that's something to do with how the boys felt about being Joseph in the nativity play, the ones who didn't, didn't want to be Joseph. Would it be worse to be Joseph or to be... The alternative to the Virgin Mary. In other words, someone that wasn't seen as a virgin and yet was pregnant. Well, Joseph, although he might be grumpy about it, he's in quite a powerful position. He's still head of the family. He's a man. That's true. That's true. She doesn't, he doesn't have to fulfil the role. Um, and he doesn't have to give birth, which we'll come to a bit later in the programme. I've got a quick out-of-context quote for you here. 
Do you see how easy it is for me to ask to be regarded as low and dirty? To ask to be spat upon? This isn't the sluttishness, but the language of a woman who thinks it's a role. This is the only role that allows me to be intelligent as I am and to avoid persecution. It's hard to be a woman. The Gospel of Pseudo-Matthew goes even further back. It goes into the birth of Mary herself. Her service entering the temple as a virgin, her prayerful life, her vow of chastity. And it also has the choosing of Joseph as her husband and her guardian, on her getting too old to, to be a temple virgin. It has some of the psychological elements that we find missing. Joseph being upset, finding her pregnant. This gospel has the ox and the donkey present at the nativity, but we're not quite there yet. We're still on the journey. Joseph and Mary going to Bethlehem. And there's a song about this. And she's traveling along and she sees an orchard, an orchard of cherry trees an orchard of cherry trees, and the child inside her speaks to her, because he's a very special child. He's not just any child. Oh 
Mary going along sees the cherry orchard and it's not her who wants the cherries so much as her 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 own baby really cherry tasting when when we're pregnant we do get cravings get me some of those cherries because I really want some and, and I'm pregnant I can't really reach so well at the moment you know come on go and get them for me and he's a bit sulky he says no you uh, why don't you get the father of your child to get those cherries but yes, unfortunately um, for Mary, unlike many other women, her baby has miraculous properties and can control the environment around from within the womb. Joseph just standing around there, probably a bit peeved, I think, even though he has to fall to his knee and accept that the father of Mary's baby is um, is God. He, um, I reckon he's probably a little bit annoyed he had to sort of bottle it up though. <laughs> Hope it didn't come out later when God wasn't watching. He's always listening to Resonance FM. So God is listening to Resonance mm. FM. The announcement from Jude there today. And um, if he wants to donate to our fundraising. For well, the- wait a second, I'm just, I'm just quite aware that we gendered God in that way. Yeah, well he is. Um, do you, do, well, uh, in this story, I don't don't you think? He's... Quite right, in this story. In this story. Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, he could be a woman. We have been looking into the chromosome things of it. Um, and, and in the science, it did say that, that to have a, a son in particular, to have a son, you need a Y chromosome. And the thing is, women have got two X chromosomes. So um, you need a male god. In this instance, uh, how do you how do you make a, a Y chromosome? Oh, if Jesus a, is a male, then God must be a male. Yeah, but it was asexual reproduction. Anyway, we'll we'll get back to this later. I'm going to go back and join Mary and Joseph on their donkey going to Bethlehem. So the census is being taken. They have to get there for Christmas Day, although they didn't know it was going to be Christmas Day at the time. And there's nowhere for them to stay. They can't get in any of the hotels. So we come to the great nativity scene, the stable, the stable. Welcome with the uh, welcome to where the sheep and the animals feed. There's going to be the trough for putting a baby in. What are we going to do? We're in the stable with the cattle lowing and the sheep bleating. This is This is where you're going to give birth, Mary, says Joseph. Look what I've got. Look, you know, look, you're all right, aren't you? You've got plenty of straw there. You could just lie down there on on that straw. I'm sure it wasn't terribly hygienic, really, giving birth in. Stay was very important to keep yourself clean at that time. It's quite easy to get an infection. I think maybe it's time to hear a little bit about giving birth, perhaps. Mm, I think it's time for the birth. I can feel it coming on now. The contractions. Uh, my waters have broken. The world has stopped. All feeling has gone. This doesn't make sense anymore because I'm feeling too much. Any feeling is feeling too much. It's all over. The world has stopped. Then another round of feeling, like a wave, rises under the most recent retreating wave. 
Each new way is bigger and stronger. Any thought or agitation which lies outside feeling, outside the subject-object mirror. Oh yes, yeah, baby, starting to come. Eyes going, eyes going. Regular spasms, regular spasms in there. each series. Starting with a high rise and swoop downward. Each one more violized and swooped downward, wave after wave. As it, what's this it, moves towards the top, as if toward the neck of the vase, it crushes itself, opening up to whom? Opening up, sensation, down this rabbit's hole, open to being a rose, until the nerves drive the flesh into pure nerves. These are the rhythms of the labyrinth. I was opening and opening to the point that I could touch the impure nerves. The spasms traveled all the way down the funnel until its bottom where there was an opening. My hole opened up into only opening. I don't think that this space that I was now in was my body. I wasn't in a body. Inside my body, I'm scared. What might happen? Gave birth this little animal without language. In the foyer of the end of the world, this little animal without language. Giving birth in a stable. Which animal ate the placenta? Most of them are herbivores, but I'm sure one of them probably had it, gave it a go. I think that's... I'm sure the pig would have, if there was a pig present, would have had some share of it. Pigs are apparently notorious for eating pretty much everything. Yeah. Hyenas, I don't think, lived in those areas. No, but uh, but this virgin birth is a strange story because we have this nativity. So in a way it happens in multiple countries all over the place because it's not a story that seems... It, it happens at a particular place, but it also sort of multiplies... And, and it multiplies into different cultures. It multiplies into different places and it changes and it, it, it takes on local characteristics. So maybe in some version of the story, Mary is in a place where there are hyenas. Maybe in Ethiopia, she's, she's on a mountain and um, there's hyenas everywhere. The Science Students Malky was fixing the teleport, which was whirring and thrumming badly. Chaldea floated over, bumping against his cloud. So, tell me the story again. How did this machine end up on Earth, of all places? What a thing to happen. By accident? I, I don't quite understand what, what happened. Silly Malky. Chaldea spun around on a cloud and the universe spun with it. I, I was with him, and you know, machines always go wrong for me. As Kennard had all the equipment with him, he decided to have a go at his project while he was there. He's running out of time for his examination. You know, we've got to have so much work in. So, let me tell you, when the human fell asleep, Malky just, just crept inside. She didn't notice. He did a bit of his genetic engineering. I don't know quite what it what it is he does. But 
yeah, he made the, he made the baby out of bits that she already had in her blood. He had to do quite a bit of work, though. Apparently, did you know this? There are only two sexes on Earth, not like us, and you need both to make a male baby. He thought there'd be less chance of her rejecting the baby if it was all made from her stuff, you know, from all her bits of genes. So he took a bit of DNA and blood into the telelab, mucked around a bit and, and made a respectable-looking chromosome. So, you were with him? Mulkey dropped the spanner and swore before swooping down to catch it between the asteroids. That's probably what broke it. I know. I just don't get on with machines. They don't get on with me. Anyway, I thought he ought to tell her. He ought to tell her, really, don't you think? Something to prepare her for what she had to go through. I felt so sorry for her, you know, Malky. She was living in this horrible, horrible room. She hardly had enough clothes to wear, and it's too cold for humans without their clothes. You should have seen how horrible it is for them. I feel so sorry. No wonder you're into social sciences. You're far too soft. Who cares about their miserable lives? <laughs> Aren't I beautiful today? Chaldea spun the cloud again. Woo, woo, woo. Look at my spangling. The cloud flicked on and off in pale blue and pale pink lights. Purrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrr
and now this small being has no agency and you are responsible. You are responsible for that creature inside you that isn't actually you, but it's connected to you in many ways. It's wholly dependent on you for sustenance, for life. It's, it's exciting, it's mysterious and freaky, but it's also terrifying and can be depressing. It's um, not always easy or straightforward. It doesn't happen in the storybook ways. Birth itself is a traumatic. It's a traumatic experience for the mother as well as for the baby. Split apart as, as this creature comes out between your, your legs. It's, um, it's beyond a science fiction story. And the presumption is that as a mother you should be absolutely besotted with your child. And if you aren't, there's something clinically wrong with you. But how you've never seen this baby before this creature and there it is suddenly yes you've been carrying a baby inside you and if the hormones are on your side then yeah you that helps that's obviously key to how you're gonna behave but if say there's something wrong just with your hormones in the sense of well, wrong but not not enough of something you might find that it's not so easy to make that adjustment because it is in some ways not a it's, it's an impossible adjustment. You've, there's no creature. Then there's a creature. Then you're supposed to love the creature. And I presume there's a little bit of added pressure if your presumption about this creature has further greatness associated with it oh. beyond your time with it. Yes, for, fortunately, I didn't give birth to the Messiah, so I didn't have the, those issues. give you all my love babe we think that mary said a version of this in the stable that's how the story goes well the baby stayed alive we know that much yes did quite well as um, indeed it had some uncles <laughs> that brought it some gifts oh those wise men men again yeah. men again and then well, they had to run away didn't they i guess from uh, seeing as herod decided to kill all the male babies another man that wants to kill future men yeah because they might be the uh, arrival to him as as king of the jews 
that, that, that's the Herod story, the massacre of the innocent. So off they go on their donkey again. Poor, I, I, I always felt sorry for the donkey. Um, so off they went to, uh, they fled into Egypt. Shall we hear a little bit from the baby's perspective? Well, the baby, once the baby had grown up and found out about the sacrifices that it had to make, well, he, let's call him he, because that is how he is defined. He's identified as male. Yeah. This is true. Everything is gone. And you know, I, I've fought this for years now. I, I mean, I wept at times trying to understand why this was happening to me. And to do what I had to do to make these people listen was just above me. And when I realized that one day when I was sitting in the hot tub, and I mean, I was, I was weeping, a peace came over me that has only come over me a few times before in my life, where I knew that what I was doing was tough, but it was the right thing and that it was above me. It wasn't me. I was doing this because God wanted me to do it. I said, why did you ask me to do this? Is that why I've never been married, so I didn't have a family? Is that why I've always been successful, so that I would realize my reward before doing this task? I believe so. And I'm carrying the cross willingly now. At first, I fought it, but it has to be done. And the world will write stories about how wrong I am and everything. And without a doubt, I wish it could be done a different way, but there is no way to make this right. So Mia, I've been hearing about Jerusalem syndrome. Yeah, do you, do you know what that is? It's very strange. I mean, I've got a vague idea. Yeah, I've got a bit of an idea as well. It seems to be something associated with Jerusalem, the place, obviously, um, and it's related to religious excitement. Um, the closer people get to the place, the holy place of Ju- places of Jerusalem, the greater their excitement grows. Sometimes it's people that already have psychotic illnesses where they're not able to tell the difference between reality and um, imagination. Sometimes their psychotic delusions are also associated with something that they're familiar with, so biblical imagery. I believe there is um, an episode of The Simpsons about Jerusalem syndrome in which Homer gets struck with Jerusalem uh, syndrome, the greatest story ever doed, doed in that home away. And uh, at the end of the show, not to spoil it for anybody, all the characters start believing they're the Messiah. No, yeah. You'll be called Chris Mujews. <laughs> because when you get down to it, aren't all religions the same? They tell you what to eat, when to pray. How this imperfect clay that we call man can mold itself to resemble the divine. But we can never attain that ultimate grace while there is hatred in our hearts for each other. I did it. I reached him. Celebrate your commonality. Some of us don't eat pork. 
Some of us don't eat shellfish. But all of us love chicken. You can simmer it in a tagine. In a soup, you can boil it. Spread the word. Peace and chicken. What's strange is when people are um, actually believing they're pregnant with the Messiah, um, it seems to conflate with other ideas of phantom pregnancy as well, and men believing that they're pregnant with the Messiah um, when they go to the Holy Land. And it shows how resonant this area of the world has been for people's religious ideas. I can imagine men rolling around holding their stomachs thinking that they're just about to give birth to the Messiah is that really what Bethlehem needs well apparently people people with no existing mental illnesses and no history of drug abuse arrive with normal tourist groups and suddenly they develop what has been termed a specific amount of psychotic reaction so basically the fact that they are in that specific place and time they get worked up until finally they often undertake purification rituals like shave, cut body hair, cut their nails, get all clean. Then they grab the white sheets from their hotels, wrap themselves up from them, and begin to cry or sing biblical or religious songs in a loud voice. Then they visit the holy places, most often where Jesus um, was dying. And then they start delivering sermon sermons. They start orating. They start preaching. They believe they are Jesus. You know, it's easy to kind of look at this as something totally strange, but we're fed these stories. This is where we come back to at primary school. There we are, taking place in the nativity um, plays and told the most strange stories that don't seem to have real relevance to our lives even though um, we're told this, the stories and we take them on and, and there's no questioning of them. They're just yeah, given to us and, and we actually play the part. We play Mary, we play the shepherds. And so as playing these parts, you also it can also be something that your imagination takes hold of. When you go to this particular place, it has so much influence on you. So there's loads of different examples of this Jerusalem syndrome. So like you mentioned, women that think, are thinking that they are carrying the baby Jesus. And men. And men, and men as mm. well. And people that believe they are the grown version of Jesus later on. So it takes a whole chronology. Um, there's also an example of a man that went there and believed that when he went there he could hear the voice of Mary and she was advising him. Hello. But he only he only received that voice advice when he was there. Yes, don't, don't, don't forget to shut the door and do wash your hands after you eat your meal. To, to us living in London today in 2017, 2018 as we are approaching. And the, the myth, the myth of the virgin or the story of the, of the pregnancy, um, the virgin pregnancy, what kind of things in our own life, in, in life today, does, does that remind us of? It made me think of uh, digital and digital media and communications and the way that our computers are remotely connected to clouds and how our data and which we consider to be our identity can, can be accessed from uh, some other entity just uh, just where we sit because cause they have through all the cables and the wireless they have a link to uh, the accumulation of information that makes up our identity on- online so all that census data this was just minimal census data that was being collected in the time of Mary and Jesus um, and 
I'm sorry, Joseph, because Jesus hadn't quite arrived just yet. <laughs> um, so this census data, which they had to travel miles and miles for, now is available at the touch of a few buttons and a lot, lot more information with that. Yeah, and it can be accessed so that something very far away can have an impact on us. They could be through a virus or just through being accessed. So we can be touched, touched by that handoff, a type of uh, godlike um, power through our computers, so through our mobile phones. And, and it makes you feel vulnerable. I, I think Mary must have felt incredibly vulnerable if she really had been uh, made pregnant without knowing how. And in that case, if she had been made pregnant without knowing how, not understanding the process required in order for her to be pregnant, maybe she had suffered a trauma. And maybe in response to that trauma, her mind and her body um, had responded, creating delusions. Yeah. I, I Perhaps psychotic mm. delusions, seeing angels, explaining to her what happened and that she was good and that this child was not a bastard, but was the son of God. It's a good story. Yeah, should we keep the tradition going for another 2,000 years? <laughs> well, keeping the tradition going with us on this show today, we've had help from lots of different writers and singers. Um, maybe you can mention just a few of them. Um, we had the Gospel of Pseudo-Matthew. We had Kathy Acker. We had Kathy Acker, um, both herself reading from my mother, Demonology, and a separate out-of-context quote. Um, we also had a couple of pieces from Madonna that have been chopped and changed. Yes, very well, Mia. I really like that. Um, I love the way you chopped out um, certain words. And, uh, yeah, it made it really, really interesting. And I, I'd like to thank Homer Simpson and uh, all the screenwriters there for uh, another very funny satirical take on, uh, on culture and tradition. And, and Shirley Collins, Shirley Collins for a beautifully sung ballad of the Cherry Tree Carol. Shirley Collins and Davy Graham? I think so. Um, so this is the news agents. We have been two wise women, Jude Cowan Montague and Mirka Kathasan. And we have been joined in spirit by the sick Shabsi Khan. Hope she gets well for tomorrow actually that makes a lovely number of three wise women mm. who have brought to you the story of Mary from our slightly skewed perspective from 2017 bye bye bye, bye. 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 can't you hear my heart beat?